My name is Joe Escobedo. And with me is an old friend, Olivia Plotnik, who is the founder of Y Social in Shanghai. Thanks for being on the show, Olivia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, once again, this is probably going to be one of the hottest topics this show has ever covered is China marketing. <laughs> I think everyone wants to know how to do it, how to get a piece of the pie. So obviously, we'd love to hear kind of more about your insights and experiences. You've been in China for a while now. Um, I guess the big question is for those who are you know, used to Western social media channels like Facebook, Instagram, and so on, what's really the difference between those and the Chinese social media platforms? Yeah, so once again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, just a quick background of why I'm in Shanghai right now. I've been living here for six years working in marketing and communications, mostly in agencies. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I started my own business. So we focus primarily on social media marketing. And why I chose to go into this is because China is probably one of the most unique markets in the world, I think, maybe I'm biased, but when it comes to social media, people are using it differently here. Um, they're using it in conjunction with e-commerce in such an interesting way, and it's evolving so very quickly. So you asked a great question, you know, what, what's the big difference between social media in the West and social media in China? And I was actually just talking this morning to a friend, she's running her own skincare brand in the US and we were talking about you know possibly entering China and what that can look like and and what are the differences and one of the things that came up we started talking about influencers and KOL mm. um, we, KOL stands for key opinion leader we also have KOC key opinion customer kind of like a micro influencer and we were talking about it because we got on the topic of you know, paid advertising. When we talk about Instagram and Facebook, you know, a lot of people are using sponsored posts these days. You can spend five to $10 and get pretty good results across the platform. And in China, on the social media platforms, this is not really an option. Of course, there's paid advertising on platforms like WeChat, but for the most part, there's not this you know, minimal $5 spend that's going to get you the type of results that, are in, that you can get in the West. So what's really emerged here are these content creators. So KOLs, KOCs, and that's really become a main way that brands can get amplification. So you know, not only, not yet touching the topic of how social media is different in terms of just basic functions and how it's involved in e-commerce, but thinking about how you are using social media to amplify your brand, um, using these influencers instead of paid, uh, paid and sponsored posts is a huge difference. And I think one that not a lot of brands are actually prepared for when they enter China because it's a huge expense. And this is where a lot of brands start to realize like, oh my God, China is gonna be way more expensive than we realized because you don't have these, you know, smaller uh, or more low budget options of amplifying your content. You have to really hit the ground um, either with big KOLs or doing a lot of small KOL seeding. So that just to start off with is, is a huge difference. And maybe we can get into a little bit later the actually the functions of social media here, because we talk a lot about, you know, WeChat, probably most people have heard of WeChat just yes. because it's you know, the super app of China, right? Um, 
And we talk about it as if it's like a social media app. It really started out as a messaging app. It became social media-esque because it has like a, a moments wall. So you post photos and share articles with your contacts and your friends. Um, but it's so much more, it's a payment function. It's everything in your daily life now revolves around this one app. So it's social media is not just social media. It's how you're you know, operating in your daily life for many of these apps. Um, you know, we now have e-commerce apps, which are quite similar to social media apps. So it's this huge ecosystem that's all very um, interconnected to each other. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because as I mentioned before, I was in China. I lived there from 2007 to 2012. And uh, yes, when I was there, uh, Weixin or WeChat just launched. And at the time, it was just a messaging app, very similar to WhatsApp. So all you could do is chat with your friends, you could do voice messages, things like that. But there was nothing beyond that. And then obviously, when I left the country, then you know that's when things really took off and you know, exploded. And so I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on that. But I think Going back to KOLs, because that's one of the things you kicked off at the beginning. I've been writing about KOLs in China for a few years when I was at Forbes, but I think one thing that's kind of picked up, and I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on this, is the concept of live streaming and leveraging KOLs. Because I've been reading, reading all these crazy stories about all these brands leveraging KOLs, doing live stream, and just selling out of millions and millions of products, which you don't really see that many um, that often. I guess if you equate it to the old school uh, QRC, the old school kind of infomercial in the US. Yeah. But I think this one I heard is like insane, like nice production, beautiful people. It's very different from what we're used to. So is that something you see becoming quite popular amongst your clients and among the community there? It's pretty wild. I mean, if you just go online and you search China live streaming, you know, there's all these articles that come up saying like so-and-so made a hundred million in 10 minutes, you know, selling lipstick or selling cars, or I think there was one like selling a, a rocket or something like this. It's really crazy what you can sell on live streaming. And, you know, one of the points I want to make is that I think it's so effective because imagine, um, you know, everybody has, everybody has Instagram. Imagine if you're watching an Instagram live, which became so popular during the pandemic. Imagine if you were watching an Instagram live and with one or two clicks, you could buy any of the products that that person is talking about. So in lockdown, you had so many brands come on in there, you know, all these skincare brands, they had yoga teachers come on and teach a class, or they had their own employees come on and talk about, you know, doing a skincare routine in quarantine. Imagine if there's just little product items just something that you can easily purchase to buy. That's kind of what's happening in China with these live streams. Live streaming is not new in China. It's been around for quite a few years now. But like everything else, it was really accelerated during the pandemic. So it really started to become something that a lot of brands said, okay, we need to get into this space now. And especially um, you saw that with luxury brands who pre-pandemic were quite averse to live streaming you know it, it's it really kind of goes against the whole heritage branding but once the the pandemic hit they realized okay we need a way to actually reach and communicate with our customers it's really interesting um, I had a really great firsthand experience with live streaming 
two years ago, I did a project with Alibaba. And we went to go visit this city outside of Shanghai that sells 80% of the world's pearls. And so there is this whole village of live people doing live streaming around there. So they, you know, not only are wholesalers exporting, but they're doing live stream just in their homes. And when we drove into this neighborhood, these homes, you know, were massive mansions because people are making so much money out of this. They're also doing the live streaming in their homes, so they need to have the, the equipment and everything there. But we went in and we spoke with this one family who was doing 30,000 RMB in revenue a day. And what they're doing, they had this room set up and they were opening um, the, the clans and they were pulling out the, yeah. the pearls and everything. And they were, it was just all being streamed all day, all day long. And they had never, it was 2019 when we visited them. They had been doing it since 2017, every single day with no break. And they had come up with these gimmicks kind of to keep people involved because you need to keep people's attention as long as possible. So they had all these games where you could try and guess how many pearls there would be or the quality and then they you know, get prizes and everything. Um, and then we visited another live streamer who was doing 1 million RMB a day live streaming pearls, which is so mind blowing, right? Um, but that's really what is becoming of, uh, you know, how people are pushing product these days. And when you think about it, imagine uh, there's a lot of barriers to purchase on e-commerce, right? If I visit Nike's website and I look at a pair of tennis shoes or I see, you know, a top, of course, there's a picture on a model um, that you can see and they probably have different views. But imagine that that model is standing in front of you and in real time, you can ask them, you know, okay, if, if when you lift your arm up, how does the shirt move? Or if you're wearing the shoes, like if you're walking, are they squishy, are they comfortable? You can ask all these questions live and get a response live immediately. And that's gonna just eliminate so many barriers that you have to purchase an item that you see on e-commerce, especially, you know, it could be a lot of high ticket items like jewelry, you're able to see the quality better. You're able to see if it's real or not. Um, live streaming has also taken on an incredible form when you think about people live streaming in the agriculture space. So this is something really cool. You may have heard of Pindodong. Um, they are an e-commerce platform. A lot of it is doing like group buying basically. So they sell you know, discounted products if you get a lot of people to buy the same thing. They do a lot of um, you know, fruits and vegetables as well. Yeah. So they've helped actually all these farmers start doing live streaming. And these farmers are selling their product directly to consumers. So you know, imagine a, a farmer going on and they're talking about the apples that they just harvested and you can see them out in the field. Um, you know, they're showing you the, the produce and you can just buy it immediately. And you know that it's coming from point A to point B to your door, you can see the quality of that product. So it's been a really incredibly powerful tool, not only for brands, but I think in, in the case of you know, agriculture and these farmers, actually helping them to get more money um, and to you know, have a, a better business by being able to push your product directly to consumers. So we do have a lot of brands and a lot of clients interested in, you know, how can we leverage this live streaming? And it's different, of course, 
for every different brand, you know, every different industry, um, you're going to have to approach it differently, but it's something, it's not going away. It's quite a massive trend. So if you are entering China, if you're thinking about it, it's something that you need to be aware of and you need to know how it can fit into your strategy. Yeah, no, that's that's incredible. I mean, you have convinced me. I am shutting down my company. I'm leaving my family. <laughs> just start live streaming. Just I, I start going backyard and, and I just started unfortunately you can't grow anything here in Singapore but I yes I'm moving down to that it's near Shanghai and I'm just gonna do apples and potatoes so I'm coming back and I'm selling potatoes <laughs> on, on live stream and I'm gonna I'm gonna retire that's it so you convinced me uh for everyone watching <laughs> down the show sorry so this is the last this is the last episode um it's been a good run uh yeah. no, it's it's I mean that's the the such a fascinating thing about China is stuff like that. You only feel like it's it's only possible there. It's just so much opportunities. Yeah. And um, no, I think it's quite interesting. I think you bring up a couple of good facts as well because I think a lot of people are wanting to do live streaming now, but it is quite challenging. I mean, I do live streams on LinkedIn, and from the first session we did, I mean, it was terrible. Like just trying to keep the conversation going, um, keeping it interactive. So you brought up some good elements and trying to. You know, answering some of those questions, making it feel like it's more of a conversation rather than kind of a demonstration is something that sure. I think has worked out quite well for, for some brands. So it's a really good tip in terms of, you know, if you want to do live streaming, think about how you keep people engaged. I love the uh, the Pearl example with the, the games. Um, yeah. But, but that's if you do. The longer they're on, the more, the more likely they are to purchase. It's as simple as that. Right. Right. Exactly. And it's interesting you bring that up too, because of course, um, when I, during the, the lockdown, during the spring, I was actually stuck in Germany. So I was outside of China, which made using Instagram just a dream uh, without having to turn on VPN. But I was watching a lot of, it was really interesting to, to see a lot of these brands when everybody went into lockdown, start doing Instagram lives. And to just kind of see at the beginning that, you know, they're not, they weren't very good at keeping people's attention it was yeah you could see that it's it was just so far behind what's happening in china and how much that has evolved people even though you know we have the what's the tv show that you mentioned earlier qvc where people are yeah. selling you know live products i mean when these brands were coming on instagram with you know the yoga teacher they're having you know one-on-one -on -one conversations it wasn't really a lot of them weren't really attention grabbing and you could see that i mean there were Instagram accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers and they would do a, a lot in Instagram live and people would come in and out, but it was very, they were holding on to people for a very short period of time. I think mm -hmm. some of the brands have gotten a little bit smarter about it. Um, but again, it's, it's nowhere near the live streaming experience in China is incredibly engaging almost to probably for people who aren't used to it like probably for most people from the west they would be like this is way too overwhelming there's way too much going on on my screen during this time but it's very very you know fast paced you've gotten the going you've got you know different games going on so it, they're really trying to grab the attention for longer yeah no absolutely i mean i'll go on record saying i think china has some of the most advanced technology marketing to date i mean even when I was there, some of the things yeah. they were doing were just ahead of their time. And I think they don't get enough credit for the stuff they do. A lot of times because it is, you know, pocketed within China. So a lot of the, the, the mainland Chinese platforms, but they're doing some incredible stuff out there. Um, so I think those are just some, yeah. some great examples you're sharing. 
Um, there's one trend that I'll share at the very end that I'd really, really love to get your thoughts on because one of my students mentioned to me recently. Well, we'll save that for the end, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, but I got to <laughs> ask you using a nice little tactic here. There, there we go. I'm trying to try like to learn it. from there. <laughs> stay tuned because it's going to be interesting, I promise you. Uh, but for that, I think you know, people are going to beat me up if I don't ask about WeChat. And, you know, sure. as we said, some of the functionalities, what are some of the brands doing out there? And yeah, hearing more about your experience with using the platform. Yeah, so as you said, you know, when WeChat first started, it was just messaging, you know, you were just adding people and starting to chat. And then of course they added in the function where brands can have official accounts. So what that means is if you are a brand, you can have an account and you can push content only to people who opt in to follow you, which is a really key point. Then WeChat opened up payment features. So really cleverly did this around Chinese New Year when the custom is to send money to people. Yeah. And that really opened up mobile payments uh, in, the, in the country. You know, we have WeChat Pay, Alipay. There's no cash anymore being used in China. And WeChat has really evolved to more of a, really a tool than than anything, than a platform that you spend time you know, browsing information or being entertained. It's really more, I would consider it a tool, which I think a lot of brands right now are not realizing so much. So one of the biggest problems that we see is brands are thinking of WeChat incorrectly in two different ways. The first way they're thinking of it as more of a content platform. So because they have these official accounts and the ability to push content to people, they're using it as more of kind of a blog-like feature where they're just continuing to push out content and expecting people to read it and expecting people to follow. When, you know, today people are using WeChat, they, they want something useful. And you see that with mini programs. So mini programs, were released in 2017. Um, there's now, I forget the latest stats, but you know, over 2 million, I think now 4 million mini programs. Um, and they are an app within WeChat. So you can perform something as simple as, you know, getting your bus ticket or mm. getting um, a shared car, you know, buying flights. Uh, a lot of brands have an e-commerce mini program. So you can go on there and you can purchase products. But this is what WeChat has really evolved into is a tool and being able to use it for something. So if you're just continuing to push out content, that's not going to get you very far. And I think the other way that brands are mis misusing or, or thinking incorrectly about WeChat is that it's because it's so well known at this point and because so many people are on it, they think it's going to be kind of the main social media platform that they use to grow their audience when in fact WeChat is quite far down the funnel. It's not a tool for building awareness because it is such a closed platform. You do have some cases where it's becoming a little bit more open, but for the most part, people need to opt in to follow you. Uh, people only can see content that is shared by their first connection contacts. So there's not a whole lot of opportunity for things to become very amplified. And like we talked about earlier, there's not a function um, where you can just spend $5 and your post is 
boosted to all these people. Mm. Advertising on WeChat is still relatively expensive. So it's really needs to be thought of a platform where somebody has already heard of your brand, they've already come into contact with it somehow, and you are then capturing them as a follower and you're nurturing that lead by sending them content or by sending them your WeChat reading program, getting them to engage with you and convert on that platform and keep them engaged. So, you know, WeChat is not the only thing out there. You're going to need a very, you know, a buzzword here, omni-channel presence in China to actually get awareness. So you need to be funneling basically people into your WeChat and then using the app to engage people from there. Mm, very, very interesting. So if WeChat is, is, is at mid or bottom of the funnel, what are some of the top of the funnel channels that people marketing in China can, can experiment with? Yeah, so one of them, you know, if you're doing um, your B2C, so lifestyle, beauty, um, hospitality, travel, one of the, the most popular platforms currently is Xiaohongshu, so Little Red Book or red. This is kind of similar to Instagram, like Yelp. What people do is, you know, you can post photos and a little like short blog-like content and a lot of people review products on there. So when people are looking, you know, looking to discover new products or looking to, you know, look up a brand and see how people are responding to their products, they're going to use Little Red Book. Um, a lot of people follow, you know, key opinion leaders or key opinion customers on here to discover new brands and new products. And there's a just a lot bigger chance for amplification on there. It's not a closed platform like WeChat is. So that's a really great way um, to to get your brand out there to build awareness. As we said before, you know, there it's on this platform you still can't do um, paid or sponsored posts so this is where the influencers come in so a lot of brands especially if you're a small brand you're going to be doing a lot of product seeding to influencers to get them to start talking about your product posting about your product tagging your brand and then from there what happens is uh, Chinese consumers they do a lot of research for brands before purchasing so they're going to see your brand and your product on Xiaohongshu. If they like it, they like the idea, they might look it up on Tmall or Taobao. Then they're going to search for it on WeChat. So it's really kind of, you can expect them to, to carry on their customer journey if, if they see it on Xiaohongshu. There's other platforms, um, you know, TikTok is obviously super power, uh, popular in the West right now. We have the Chinese version Douyin. A lot of people come to us asking about Douyin, you know, should they be on it? It's a really popular platform. I will say that it is quite far removed from the purchase journey. So people are using Douyin for entertainment, right? They're not mm. specifically looking for a product. Um, they're probably, they might not really be ready to buy something at that moment. They're just looking for a, a little escape, you know, just yeah. take your mind off things and watch ridiculous videos for for two minutes and scroll through so it's good for again awareness because you can reach an audience that don't know about you douyin is not network led it's content led but um it is you know if, if you have limited resources um it is not necessarily a platform that i would say is hugely important for you just because it is so so far removed from um conversion 
Mm. There's other platforms, short video platforms like Billy Billy, which um, actually it's very interesting. A lot of YouTube content gets put on Billy Billy. So it's it's another video platform. Um, there's a lot of interesting things happening with Billy Billy in terms of you know skincare influencers getting on there. Um, there's a lot of like anime um, people on Billy Billy. So it's yeah, it's it's interesting for some brands. It's obviously not working for every brand for sure. Um, and you know there are tons of other apps out there. I think you have to be aware of you know who who actually are you trying to target in China? People come in and they think like I'm going to enter China because there's so many people. It's such a huge opportunity. Okay, what city? Are you going to target? What age are your customers? Are they, you know, parents? Are they single? All these people are going to be using different apps um, for every different thing that they're doing. So it's it. You first really have to start from there. You know, of course, I've just shared quite some popular apps, but your target audience might not even be on those really popular apps. So that might not be what you actually need to use. So the first Thing that you have to do is understand exactly who and where your customers are, which is, I know, such a basic marketing um, concept, but it's so quickly forgotten in China, I think. Yes. I mean, I, I'm going to sound very dated because the platforms I, I used to use, they probably don't even have them anymore. So Weibo and Yoku, they don't have any more, do they? Um, yeah, no, they still but, exist. I think it. for Weibo, it's Weibo is more like, you know, a lot of news, a lot of celebrities, a lot of gossip on there. Okay. Weibo ads, if you have a big budget, can be effective. Or, you know, if you have a big budget enough to work with one of these celebrity KOLs, can be effective. A lot of the clients that we work with, you know, are more small niche brands. So we're not, it's not really worth it for them to, to be on Weibo. Yeah, that they, well, glad to hear they're still around, still kicking, because they were there. That was all the oh, rage when I was there 13 years ago was Weibo. That was like the big thing. <laughs> now it's probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I no, appreciate it. Kind of, I mean, there's always this debate every year. Marketers are like, Weibo is dead. And then some people will be like, Weibo is the best platform. So, you know, it just depends back. who you talk to. I root for you, Weibo. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think those are some really, really good insights in terms of like mapping out the entire thing. And because you mentioned Billy Billy, I... This, I don't know. I know it's not a new trend, but I haven't heard about this trend. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. So if you stay tuned, this is where we're talking about the only trend specific stuff. So one of my students was telling me about a channel on Billy Billy where it is people just eating. So yeah, I'm not sure the name for it, but it's essentially watching people eating. So one of my students sent me, shout out to Kang King if you're watching this. Um, he literally sent me a video of a young Chinese woman eating uh, like 30 pieces of fried chicken, like no speaking, no moving, just eating. And it was like sound <laughs> effects. It was like her crunching into the chicken. And that was like a, a 17 minute video. And oh, apparently man. several of my students watched that religiously. So are you not giving enough homework? <laughs> I, not, I, 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 I sparked the conversation. I was because I was asking them, you know, what kind of stuff do you like yeah. doing? And um, they're like, I enjoy watching people eat. And I was like, what are you talking about? Just, Very you know, you heard about people cooking. No, there there are these things out there. I think there was one, um, 
I think it was more during the lockdown in China where a man, he had a channel. I'm pretty sure it was on Billy Billy, just like him uh, sleeping. Just a man sleeping for, you know, 10 hours. People watched it. You know, there's people interested in any topic out there. <laughs> but this, yeah. that's actually interesting that you bring up the eating one. Yeah. Because I am, I'm not sure if it still exists because there was a huge campaign in China recently uh, called Clear Your Plate, where the government is really starting to crack down. Sustainability is now becoming a much bigger thing in China. And so the government um, started to crack down on these types of videos and these types of content creators that are pretty much wasting food and promoting food waste. And so there's this whole campaign in China around uh, clean your plate. So in all, a lot of the restaurants in Shanghai, you will see these posters and these signs. Mm. And it's basically, you know, fighting against food waste. And I think they shut down a lot of these channels where it was just people eating massive amounts of food because they were, you know, they're saying this is extremely wasteful. We need to be more mindful. So yeah, interesting that you brought that up. I'm not sure if that channel's made it through the, the cull from the government. Yeah, I mean, I was watching it yesterday because we had class on Monday. Okay. Um, so still going strong. But uh, okay. in terms of cleaning the plate, <laughs> she definitely cleaned the plate because she just cleared the entire <laughs> thing. I mean, it was an obscene amount of, of fried chicken eating for such a small, <laughs> such a small woman. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think going back to what you're talking about is that you know you don't necessarily hear about those certain things outside of china like things picking up about someone watching someone sleeping or watching something eating i i I tried to understand the rationale behind it so i was asking my student you know why do you why do you watch it and she said for her it's a form of like you know i like food but i don't want to consume the calories It's like a virtual like yeah it's like a yeah. vir- virtual eating like some kind of voyeurism slash virtual eating like you have your vr headset and you're just watching you things vicariously through somebody exactly else. and i yeah. think that has been an interesting thing i've seen that on tiktok as well so yeah. yes i'm still old but i i've experienced it makes sense because i mean i follow travel influencers and you're kind of you know Obviously now there's no chance to travel, but if you, you know, just normally you're like, wow, what a beautiful place that they're going to. And you kind of live vicariously through them. And so I guess eating is kind of, is could be applied to the same thing. Still very interesting choice, but I can see the, you know, the thinking. Yeah, no, I I was going to quite the same thing because you can see like a lot of travel videos and you're like, okay, I want to do that. So I think that I understand the, the eating and watching people sleeping fascinating but to each their own you know good for you whatever you want to consume <laughs> no judging i just thought it was super fascinating and uh i wasn't sure if it was that big of a trend or if i'm just too fascinated with the whole phenomenon of watching <laughs> other person people eat food it's very it's very interesting all right olivia so some really good points another thing i want to get your thoughts on is if you are a smaller business and you don't have millions of dollars to pump into ads and KOLs, what are some of the practical things you could be doing that's a great question and one that we have conversations with our clients all the time because that's who we work with specifically so the first thing that you're going to want to do like i mentioned before is know exactly who your target audience is where they are what apps they're using otherwise you're just going to end up wasting whatever precious budget that you have 
once you really have that figured out, now let's say you are, you know, targeting consumers in a first tier city or a consumer driven brand, maybe in fashion or beauty, I would really recommend that you start looking into first working with KOC. So these are going to be influencers with a smaller, probably more engaged audience, and they can really help you get awareness for your brand, you know, build up that recognition on their channels. They, for the most part, will accept product seeding. So working with them for that, providing some experience, you know, trying to do a type of offline event where you can get people to share your content, making sure that you also have a channel on WeChat. So when people do discover you on something like Shaolin Shu from a, a KOC or micro-influencer, and then they're looking up uh, your brand on WeChat, they're able to find you and you have everything set up. Even if you don't have the budget to be pushing out regular content, just making sure that you know you have a menu on your WeChat setup. You have articles in there that explain your brand and your product or your service really quite well, so that somebody can understand right away what you're doing. I think you know it's China. Like I said at the beginning, it's going to be way more expensive and take way longer than you ever expected. So when you start out. Having this long-term vision, I think is really important. You know, we've worked with clients before who at the beginning, you know, they boxed a lot of WeChat followers and, or they tried to use, you know, there's a lot of agencies out there who will say, you know, we'll seed your product um, to 500 different KOC. But these are people who they post about products for a living. So they're doing this all the time with tons of different brands. They're not really your target customer. If somebody sees something on their page and they do this all the time, you know, that's not really a, le a legitimate review about your product. Mm -hmm. So we've seen a lot of clients try to go with this short-term uh, fix, short-term thinking. And then two years down the road, we come to work with them and, you know, we publish a WeChat article and out of 5,000 followers, only a hundred open the article. Mm. Um, or, you know, when you search their brand name on Xiaohongshu or look them up on, on Tmall, there's not really very good reviews. You can see quite quickly that it's, you know, not a very legit brand. So this is going to really hurt you in the long run. Um, I you know, say to clients all the time, I'd much rather you have 500 or 1,000 followers rather than 50,000, but those 1,000 are actual genuine you know, followers that you have earned by putting out great content, working with really relevant people. Because those people are going to convert, they're going to purchase your product. Whereas if you just have a number, 50,000, what does that mean for your business? That, that means nothing. They're not buying your products in the end. So it's totally useless. So I think this long-term thinking of, you know, it's not about getting 10,000 followers in the first year, which is like getting 5,000 in your first year would be impressive as a small brand. It's mm -hmm. very, very difficult to get followers. Um, so I think, you know, having this long-term mindset, uh, and, and working that into your plan is going to be really important to, you know, not waste money in the short term and not waste money in the long term. No, that's a very good point. I think it goes back to managing expectations too, particularly if you're coming from the West. Do you yeah. think, you know, the big misconception, this is terrible. Many, many years ago, they think, oh, there's many people in China. 
there, therefore it must be very easy because there's so many consumers, it's very easy to sell. That was the mindset 13 years ago for most Western brands trying to break into Asia and I was very into yeah. China. And I think they failed miserably because they had that, that expectation. Um, another thing that you touched on and I wanna kind of dive a bit deeper on was the concept of not thinking of China in terms of China marketing. And this is something yeah. I learned when I was there working for Mercedes-Benz is we never had a China marketing plan. Like that did not exist. We had a, yeah. Beijing, we had a Beijing marketing plan or a Northeast uh, marketing plan. We had a Shanghai or a you know, central plan. But it, because uh, what most people don't realize if they don't spend much time in China is it's so diverse. I mean, from, from uh, you know, county to county, there's different languages, there's dialects, there's cultures. I mean, it's, yeah. it's totally, totally different. So the way they interact with products and services differs quite quite a lot so i think that's something to keep in mind if you are new to china and want to understand going back to your point which which city or which region are you looking at which specific dem demographic which once again seems common sense but yeah I, so i always think of like you know it's almost an oxymoron to have a china marketing because there's no such thing as a china marketing approach yeah it's a you know a specific one that you're trying to cater to for a specific type of client Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, just in looking at the language alone, you know, if you drive 200 kilometers outside of Shanghai, people are speaking a completely different, I, you know, you can speak Mandarin and drive 200 meters or 200 kilometers outside of Shanghai and have no idea what they're saying. Um, it's that different. It's not like a northwest accent and a you know east coast accent that's not the kind of like disparity we're talking about it's a completely different sounding language altogether so it's a very you know very 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 diverse country absolutely i was originally going to do this uh entire recording in mandarin but then i re <laughs> i remember you're in shanghai and i'm a beijing boy or in Tianjin and Beijing boy. We wouldn't have been able to understand each other. We would have been, yeah. <laughs> Too many R's for you. Yeah. Oh, yes. I would have busted out the R's on you like a, like a Beijing taxi driver. You would have no idea what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad we talked English. So, Olivia, this is amazing. There were so many practical tips in here. I mean, this was like jam-packed. So, for anyone watching, watch the entire thing. Watch it again. Share it with a friend because this is insanely insightful so thank you so much um yeah thank you uh one more question is what are you reading watching or listening to at the moment you know china is very different because it's all happening so fast right so there's not really a book on china you know if a book is written it's probably outdated already so i'm following as many brands as i can in china foreign domestic you know i follow almost 900 brands on wechat alone just to see what they're doing see what they're putting out there see how people are responding so that's a huge resource for me you know there's a lot of people on linkedin who are sharing their current experience working with china sharing current reports that are coming out so that's a great way to kind of stay and keep updated. Um, yeah, it just, it happens so fast that you really have to, you know, if you see a report from 2019 or 2018, just assume that it's completely outdated by now or that trend has totally accelerated and, and blown up by now. So it's, uh, yeah, you have to be really, I think, 
in the now following brands, following people who are practicing this right now to, yeah. to stay up with it. Great, great advice. Uh, last question is how can people get in touch with you to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, LinkedIn is honestly the best and easiest way that I can share on here. Or you can visit our website um, at whysocial.com. That's Y-W-A-I social.com. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. I really, really appreciate you coming to the show. Yeah. And so many practical insights. It was crazy. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And like I said before, if you watch this or you listen to us, do watch it again, listen to it, share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, because it was just super, super practical. Um, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you joining. And we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Bye.